Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. So live on a Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, I am merely Bo. To my immediate right is the great Z. Down the line right is the great Hoff. It's hot. Oh, baby. Wow. It's a hot one, boys. It is a hot one. Hoff, can you believe he doesn't eat mayo? No mayo on this guy. It was shocking. All these things that I'm learning about Z, I'm enjoying. I'm, I'm loving getting to know him. And then all of a sudden, full stop, you don't do any white condiments. Because I'm enjoying some nice tzatziki sauce with some delicious lamb lollipops from the <laughs> Berea cafeteria. And he says he did lamb lollipops, lamb lollipops without tzatziki. <laughs> and then he says, no it. mayo. No mayo. What about sour cream? No, no it doesn't. Jesus. Gone. <laughs> Gone. What does this world come to? I know. The big Z. I hate to shock L- you Even like crema this. on a taco. Yeah. No, no, no crema. crema. No crema. What, what about like white soft cheeses? No. Like I'm not afraid of having like a mozzarella on a on a pizza pie. I'm not afraid of even a nice burrata. You, you know, don't I like a have cheddar a... cheese though. Often no, I notice you no. stay away sorry, from Wisconsin. The... Sorry, Wisconsin. Sorry, He's Wisconsin. Anti cheese. I I'm, I would like you I like, like European cheeses. I like a chihuahua. In okay. A, uh, in in a, a like in a quesadilla or some queso. Like, like a queso. cojita. Yeah. What, what are like those Mexican cheeses? Cojita. Yeah, cojita. And a couple other ones yeah. like little ones, but but no liquidy white sauce. No ranch. No. <laughs> hold on a second, though. Hold on. Hold on a second, though. Hold what are we doing here? Hold no ranch? Hold I told you. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Let's wait, talk wait. about something else. Wait a, wait a second. Wait a second. Trust Joe. Wait a second. Joe, there's nothing we're going to talk about that's going to be as fun as this. <laughs> yeah, this is way Trust more fun. Me. Stay okay, in this lane second. as long as we Number can. Number one chip of all time, Cool Ranch Doritos. Mm-hmm. I like the taste of ranch. Mm-hmm. I don't. Again, I'm tr- I'm 44. As you told me yesterday, my upper two abs are because th- I work out. My bottom two are not there for diet. I'm, I tried. That's a decision that All I right. make. No, but so it isn't about flavor. it isn't about ranch flavor. A plus. No, it's a no. But that's sour not true, cream though. flavor. It, it, I don't it's, like. It's the cream you d- you don't like. You don't like cream. I don't like creaminess. Do you that's do butter? <clears throat> like a soft Irish butter? No, I don't eat butter. No butter. No butter, baby. You cook wow. your steaks in butter. I've seen it with my own two eyes. That's some ghee. Some ghee, which is you know clarified more butter. clarified butter, clarified but that butter, yeah. right, but that's like you know I'm cooking that in there. I'm not gonna like spread butter on a piece of bread and eat like, like a, that would never a compounded happen. butter, like a garlic chive compounded butter. Oh you wouldn't God, put it on top of a delightful, delightful hard seared ribeye steak. Well, yeah, because that's like at that point now it's melted with some rosemary mixed yeah, in there. Sure. And we're getting around. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, All right. exceptions to the rule, but still <laughs> right, still disappointing. Generally speaking, I'm trying to keep it for the right. I'm trying to keep it lean and on the scene. Yeah, no, but, but this and white condiments are typically <laughs> yeah, not high on fat. the lean on, Very on the high scene. Fat. I just condiments. just one issue, Your Honor, <laughs> and that is that that you this isn't about this is a choice of taste. You have never liked creme ever. 
You've never no. liked cream. This really isn't about fitness. You've, you, you obviously are Some of the things fitness. are things that I like the taste of, like a ranch. I He's using fitness as an excuse to, for a no. poor That's what I, I detest That's mayo. What I detest it. See, you've mayo never liked so mayo. Wonderful. Did you like ranch dressing in, as, a, in a, as a child? Yeah, you could uh, dip a carrot in it as a child. Oh, Do you okay. like yeah. a little bit vanilla of, shakes? Yeah. Well, yeah. I love ice cream. Well, it's similar. It's just not frozen. It's not. Right. Si- it's not similar. Listen. A milkshake and the the sweetness of that compared. I just don't like the taste of mayo. I think it's gross. With I think sour cream is gross. But I will cook with sour cream in a couple pasta sauces okay. I make. But a fat-free sour cream, no big deal. If you uh, um, fat-free sour cream <laughs> does not exist <laughs> in my world. <laughs> with all kidding? of those uh, brown spotted cows that you're running on your Ponderosa, <laughs> you would think that you would have be a little more open to the cream. Well, well here's I mean, what I would say to the you. Is that spotted, they're, they're that's the bronze spotted. They're the high fat. They got a lot of lactate in yeah. there. Here's the a thing, lot of milk. Here's the thing that's crazy. Let's take that's like the country of New Zealand, for example. Oh. New Zealand, you think a lamb from New Zealand, sure, right? Yeah. When you're in New Zealand, orange roughy, my dad would say a fish. When you're in New Zealand, it's very difficult to get those things. Why? Because they are not eating the product. You don't get high ah, off your own supply. Your own supply. You're <laughs> pushing <laughs> the product to the consumers. So the brown right spotted there. milk is going elsewhere. Going out. All out. To the people. All it's great. Brown spotted cream out. Money yeah. in. I like that on your ranch, your brown spotteds are also our yeah, number one. Like Turn around. There we go. On your Ponderosa, your brown spotteds are number one milk producers and meat producers. That <laughs> rarely. That's because you it's have a one hybrid. super breed is what you found. You really? it's, it's, <laughs> it's a hybrid, really a hybrid that I created with a geneticist that reminds me of uh, an episode of South Park where they created a provolone squirrel and no longer would the world have to look <laughs> in two places for provolone and squirrels. Boom. Brown spotted. Milk, there you meat. go. You got it. What's next? What's next, fellas? Hmm. We'll be. Back. We really don't know. No, I don't. I don't. Know As a matter of fact, and that applies to absolutely everything we could possibly be talking about. Yeah, that applies to absolutely everything that we could possibly be talking about. Mm-hmm. Joe, since last uh, we convened on this, now we'll do the stuff that isn't fun. Um, oh the, boy, I prefer doing the brown spotted's mm-hmm. and the milk mm-hmm. and the creme. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, since the last time we all did a Big show together, we had an NFL appeal, which we wouldn't. Well, last time we talked, we weren't sure that was necessarily going to happen. Fact, we thought it wasn't. It did happen. Uh, we had a a second appointee that is now uh, a, a, an independent process, which I think we already had. Uh, but we're going to have an independent process that is designated by. Uh, the commissioner, so you can obviously view that how you Just want. Just to be fair, even Ian Rappaport is saying this is not independent. Like and all he day works NFL for I mean, the big and let me make it clear: was this Joe is here not independent. We, like, I mean, you have to take you have to take. I, there's nothing funny about any of this, but there is some humor in the Adam Schefter tweet where it said his sources said, "What was the exact word?" The NFL is seeking. The NFL is seeking an indefinite suspension. They're appealing to themselves. Basically. Right. If they want it to be this an indefinite suspension, the it's I dream a genie, and it's done. <laughs> that's like, right. that's it. It's done. That's what do you make of all of this? I'm disappointed from the fact that if the NFL was going to just go and do whatever it wanted anyway, yeah. why couldn't they have done whatever they wanted anyway six months ago yeah. before all these teams lined up to try to sign Deshaun Watson before they approved the contract? that Deshaun Watson signed in Cleveland before they allowed Cleveland fans to think about the season, to come out with the six-game suspension, to play the schedule game like Mm -hmm. we got to play. Because in the end, the reason we all thought that there wasn't going to be appeal, because it's not good for anybody. And it's just going to drag on something that is not good for the league. It's not good for the fans. It's not good for anybody that's involved in the situation. And it's like Roger Goodell pulled – the pin on the grenade and everybody was huddled around in the end what are they going to get i don't know what the suspension is going to look like but 
there's a group of people, rightfully so, that'll never be happy with whatever length yep. of suspension it's going to be. So if your whole, sole purpose is to try to placate those folks, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And by dragging this out, the people that have an interest in the NFL that are going to be hurt the most is going to be the fans and the fans of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and, and you can feel it out here today. It is obviously a a you don't even know what you're looking at, what it's going to be for this football team, and now we have an appeal situation. And at the end of the day, people who want to get upset about it, the people that you want to be upset about that the fact that it's still going to be handled this way is ultimately the NFLPA side of it who agreed yes. to this term sure. that, yes, we're going to have independent Judge Sue Robinson. By the way, if the NFL says, eh, don't really like what you did, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That was unfortunately, and I emphasis on unfortunately – agreed to and collectively bargained which to me is insane that that is the way that it is but it is this peer this situation at this point former attorney general for the state of new jersey yep. worked with the nfl to craft the personal conduct policy mm-hmm. it is no longer independent this is in many ways a rubber stamp now i do believe the reason that they're using the language seeking there as kind of just hearing from a variety of people, and again, nobody knows anything because last time we heard and we were told, yeah, they're not going to appeal, I guess what, they did. Yep. Um, is that ultimately they don't want the number to be, that it won't end up being a year. But it's going to be what the NFL wants it to be and structured however they want it to be. And I think the hope is honestly that it just settles at this point, which is what Sue Robinson wanted, because I think there must have been a feeling with her. And this is the thing. You're Sue Robinson. You are a federal judge. Correct. And had been for, what, 25 years? They ask you to independently review the facts and make a decision. And this is something to me that I feel like is so lost on this. This is somebody with no skin in the game. She is not pro Deshaun Watson. She is not pro NFL. She's compensated equally by both. And, And, and... She is not in the in her quarter here. Her ruling in this case is not based upon public opinion. In fact, she laments in her decision the NFL's trying to change punishments and change everything just based on public opinion. So she has read that she has made her decision on the facts and the way that the CBA and the way the personal conduct policy had been done at six games. And the NFL said, you know what? We don't like this. Yeah. Wrong. You're wrong, judge. And so now – we're going to bring in a gentleman who's going to do what we want. That's right. That's right. And like that's, that's exactly right. The fact that there's no – I realize that that is allowed within the CBA for it to happen, but the outrage over the fact that this judge, this female judge who made a ruling that is being dismissed and treated as completely insignificant is right. a stunning thing that it doesn't feel like anybody has a problem with because everybody wants their pound of flesh. I want to go back to something Joe said as I've been thinking about this. Deshaun Watson was eligible to play football all of last season. Yep. He didn't, but he was eligible. Now, the thinking at the time was, well, we're going to wait until there is criminal charges or not. Not. Now that we are correct. So that's why they didn't put him on the commissioner's list a year ago, right? We're going to let the criminal process play itself out. Well, the criminal process played itself out, and they paid no attention to it. Not only from the standpoint of of the fact that there were no charges, but also from the standpoint of they only went to Sue L. Robinson with four different accusers. And why would that be? Okay? So if none of that part mattered, shouldn't the NFL, to Joe's point, 
have ruled on this in February right. before that there was a deal for Deshaun Watson? Mm-hmm. Yes. Shouldn't any NFL team – look, we're dealing with it here because we're the ones who landed Deshaun Watson. But this could be in Atlanta. It would have been in Carolina. It would have been in New Orleans. And guess what? The contract we gave him is the same one they would have gave him. Everybody would have given him that deal. That was all part of that. And by the way, there were 13 teams that called on Watson. Mm-hmm. He picked these four. Correct. Okay? So there were 13 teams that called on him. How could the NFL have let this process go through without first – ruling if they weren't going to take the criminal case into, into consideration to begin with. Right. I can't wrap my head around that. It's it's just frustrating because I think most Browns fans that I talk to, and this is kind of where I feel, are ready to accept whatever punishment looks like and then move on and then be able to have our season, whatever it looks like, to be able to put all these things behind us mm-hmm. to try to move forward. Just like Judge Robinson said, NFL is – forward-facing but not Mm forward-looking. They had an opportunity to be forward-looking with all of these things because all of this information was out a long time ago. And if in the end we knew Roger Goodell was going to do whatever he wanted because he felt there was a certain amount of punishment that this infraction of the personal conduct policy or infractions determined, then he should have just done it six months ago because the longer it gets dragged out, the people that get hurt the most are the fans of the Cleveland Browns. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the hard part about this. All of this happened while he was a Texan. All of this happened with, uh, on some level with some involvement from Texans as they've been sued in settled lawsuits, and Tony Busby even referenced them yesterday in his press conference. Nothing has happened to the Houston Texans. The people who are going to suffer the most are the Browns and their fans, and I think that part of it is unfortunate, but I think you're exactly right. Again, a federal judge came out and said this is what the punishment should be. I believe it is the most significant punishment in the history of this personal conduct policy for a nonviolent act. The end. And, and we know it's not the end, and we know it's going to be significantly worse for the Cleveland Browns. And now you have a whole other set of questions for this Cleveland Browns football team. Who's going to be your quarterback? What At what length do you decide we need to get another quarterback in here? I think at six games you're very comfortable with Jacoby Brissett running the show. If it's 12, if it's 17, you got. I think you need to get another quarterback in, whether it's a backup Jacoby Brissett or compete with Jacoby Brissett yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. It, it just a whole can of worms opens up, and you know we're about to have a practice here today. Here's what's so crazy to me about this: it's training camp. Yeah, this is what the eighth. This is day eight of training camp. Sure. We've had fourth. Yeah, day eight of training camp. If it's an indefinite suspension, let's just say worst case scenario that that's what that comes back in the like. Is he all of a sudden then taken off the practice field? Is he not allowed to practice anymore? Is he not allowed to be here anymore? What? I think so. I right? think you're right. I mean, I, I think as soon think as lot of the rules yeah. state that as soon as you are suspended indefinitely, you can't be around the building anymore. And, and, and you're doing that in the middle of a training camp. So when this the, goes to my the, point. It was all filed yeah. in February of 2021. This could have all been adjudicated by the NFL right. if they are if if they if they care it hasn't not been handled well. for what criminal proceedings are right which they clearly don't if they care not then rule on this in february of this year before watson goes on the block to be traded that's right yeah you should have known that right that information should have been out there and it could have been they knew it all all the information was out there their own investigation was ongoing at that point there was there's no reason for this to be something and at the very least if you were going to do that joe if you weren't going to do that in february which is what they should have done if you were going to do that you could have done this whole process in march Right. Yes. In April, right. in May, there's yes. no reason for us to be sitting here in the second week of August, first week of August, having the eight practices in, right. having an uncertainty if Deshaun Watson is going to come out here and run with the ones and Kevin Spansky not understand. What am I doing here? Mm-hmm. 
Am I, is this guy, if, 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 it, if an indefinite suspension comes down on Friday, is he pulled out of the building? Yeah. Told to go home? Yeah, I think you're for right. For a year? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. It's and crazy. all of that could have oh. been avoided. One other thing I'm going to ask you guys both, especially you, Joe, as coming from a guy who played in this league for so long, and I'll give both sides of this. You mentioned the Texan side. This happened when Deshaun was on the Texans. They settled 30 civil lawsuits themselves about this um, in terms of their knowledge of it, okay? They have not been penalized, as Nathan brought up. Just to flip it the other way, Tom Brady was not suspended or punished for his role in the Dolphins tampering stuff from 2019-2022. How can a league have this type of inconsistency in its rulings where it's it feels like it's just whatever you want because whenever the mood sits? There's no consistency. It had to be maddening as a player. Absolutely, and that was why the players – have disliked Roger Goodell and the rulings that he's made since almost he's taken over, right? It's because we're not playing by the same set of rules, one, that ownership is playing by, and two, we're not even playing by the same set of rules from one year to the next. Correct. It's basically just whatever Roger Goodell feels like he's going to go and do it based upon what he feels the PR win can be based on what he thinks the polling would say on the situation of NFL fans. And isn't it a little bit interesting, maybe ironic, that the very criticism that Sue Robinson had within her ruling about how the NFL is just making up as they go based upon the court of public opinion is exactly what they go and do to overrule her and say, we don't really care what you have to say about this. We're going to go and do whatever we want, and we're going to penalize people however we feel like it based upon the court of public opinion, all while not really ever hammering any of the ownership that hasn't been involved in similar transgressions. It is amazing to me that the the talking points are always about Deshaun, and I understand, like I do get that. I understand why that is a hot-button issue, and it is certainly easy to talk about. I understand why it is the NFL's right to do what they have done as it was collectively bargained. I don't understand, though, why there is so little discourse at all on the fact that a federal judge took in all of the evidence made this determination, made that comment that you just made, and the NFL saying, yeah, so what, we're doing it anyway. And nobody seems to care about that. Now, I know it's their right within the CBA to do that, but there isn't any kind of outcry about the fact that Judge Suell Robinson was basically brought into this process for what? Yeah. I mean, it was all – that part of it was a sham in some Clearly. sense. And now this is going to be a rubber stamping. I wouldn't call it a sham, but if you're saying it's a fair independent trial, it's not at this no, point. That's no, not no, what it is. No. You so had that, over. and they didn't like the findings of that. And that, you know – as a female, she has been replaced now. They've gone out and they've chosen As a, a man. Unbiased, unbiased, independent female judge. Right. They've replaced it with a biased, biased man. insider man who worked with the NFL crafting their discipline policy. Oh, he knows better than she does. How that's do you think, wild if me. you're the NFL, how do you think that this is your PR win? Because right? that's cares, what they're though. looking for so, is like, oh, we're just going to take this female judge over here because we're trying to appeal to fans. Oh, but her opinion doesn't really matter, and we're going to just give it to this guy anyway because we like what he has to say about it or will say about it more. Like, how is that going to be their PR win? And I think it's important for fans to understand when they are listening to the national media folks that the bias with national media is to keep this in the news cycle because it gives them something to talk about. It gives them – It checks every box. Especially, like, I love Florio. 
but he is kind of a poopster, one. For sure. And two, his expertise is in law and football. Mm-hmm. So this is exactly what boosts Perfect. your ratings. This is exactly what you want in order to get people to continue to listen in, in, in record numbers, certainly. And so for them to applaud the appeal process and say, yeah, it was going to happen, and other national media folks, which is generally what you're hearing, it's not a surprise because this is what they want. This is what gets clicks and gets listens and this is why they are biased in this situation, and they can't be looking at it just like the people from the NFL that are going to be looking at this case now. They're biased because they have a, a, a they have a horse in the race right now. Yeah. They want this to go on in perpetuity. The thing that's amazing to me is what what they did. How is hot they took, it is in here. Well, that too. They took a comprehensive ruling that was thought out over several weeks based on rules. Based on rules. And law, your law. You your wrote laws. the law. Yes. You wrote the law. We, yes. I'll judge on your laws. I won't go in the in, in the laws of the United States. We'll go on your laws. Right. The definition of sexual your assault. definition of it. Yeah. I will rule on that comprehensively over 16 pages over several weeks. And the NFL said, eh, yeah, "We're going to pick and good. choose. We're going to pick and choose yeah, what of this we good. want. We like this part of it, but we're yeah. not going to read these pages." Yep. That's what they did. And yeah, there's no recourse at all. For anyone. We like and that that's you have where we are. found that he violated the yep. personal conduct policy. But the rest of this stuff, eh, we're not going to read pages 11 through 16. We're not, we don't care about why you picked six games. The fact that you thought that was the most significant punishment and, and historic, in fact, for a nonviolent act. And no, we don't like that. So we like that, yes, he did something wrong, but you didn't punish him severely enough. So we're going to get it. We're going to, we will. It's like something you, you, like a conversation you have with your children <laughs> where they hear the part they like, yeah, right. but not the, <laughs> not part, the part that they don't. That's, that's right kind of how it is so that's where we are and so then that leads to a football conversation which is one that we'll have over the course of this program today in terms of what the options are i gotta i have no idea what this is going to look like today do you have any sense in terms of it's going to be a normal practice it'll be a padded practice it will be a normal watson it will be a normal watson practice because as of now the only thing that is has been agreed upon at this juncture and obviously it is pretty Easy to say that you, if you're reading the tea leaves, that it, it's only getting worse from here. But all that we know at this point is he's going to be suspended for the first six games. That's what – because the NFLPA, at least my understanding, and I've listened to a bunch of different podcasts with all the various sports lawyers who are doing the rounds right now, because the NFLPA didn't appeal the original Correct. six games, that that locks that in. Now, uh, it, okay, <laughs> it's possible in this appeal, right, that this guy says – we're going to reduce it. That's not possible. No. Okay, even no, though it's no. within the scope of possibility, it's not within the realm of possibility. So it's only going to go up. Now, if there were to be a lawsuit after the fact by the NFLPA, it would be for about the additional punishment, not the original. And so that that's what we know. So as far as the Browns go, that, the facts of the matter on, on the ground today are that he's still spending for the six games, as we thought, as we found out the last time you know, we were on the practice field. And – He's going to go. I mean, we were out here at the walkthrough today. You were out here. He was walking through with the ones, as he has done every day. I would imagine Coach Stefanski is probably not changing anything with their plan until they get more certainty as to the length of the suspension. And do do you guys know when the ruling is supposed to come down from the appellate officer? Sometime next week there's not a deadline. This guy's going to go quick. It's very quick. I mean, hey, hey, Roger, it's a one-page email. Like a one-line. Hey, this is what you're doing. Okay, cool. And now I announced that I'm doing it. What he's doing now is just trying to get to the point to where to justify whatever whatever he decides and to make it look the way that it needs to be. Um, 
Lots to get to on the program today. Obviously going to be a very, very interesting program when this team gets out here. Coach Stefanski will be at the podium here shortly. We're off and running. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Both for my friends at Renew Home Exteriors. I have your headset. Here. Oh, my God. How'd that happen? Let me because tell you about my friends just at, throws at it Renew. Over no, it's probably on. This one's on me, I think. Upgrade the look of your home with new siding from Renew Home Exteriors. It's your $1,500 and a free insulation wrap, plus 0% interest for qualified buyers. In addition, Renew Home Exteriors will meet or beat competitors' estimates by up to 10% or pay 100 bucks. Hear from their customers. Here's Blake. He says, quote, Renew did an excellent job with my roof and siding. Very professional crew. Good rates. Showed up on time. I couldn't be more pleased and would do repeat business in a heartbeat. Beautify your home with premium siding and roofing products at lower prices with Renew Home Exteriors. Text ESTIMATE to 71441 to book or visit RenewEstimate.com. Gibby tried turning down the mics for the swap. The best part is and, amazing and, and how quick and he was on that. And he's blaming me. Gibby's like, here are the facts of the case. This one I was don't on like me. them that you're holding. You right. that, but I'm going to I'm gonna do my own style of justice, Gibby. Gibby Goodell. 90% right of the time, <laughs> it's usually on Zagura. So I just round it up to the full. Just round it up. It's just a lot easier. Just round it up. Uh, Coach Stefanski will be out there. Oh, jeez. I mean, this is going to be a lot of what it's been. Uh, he's a couple of minutes away. Um, from that. Did you guys uh, did you check in the Hall of Fame game last night? I watched. I did watch a little bit of it. I watched the beginning uh, and was shocked to see Josh Jacobs out there touching the football as often as he did. I was really surprised by that. Um, Josh McDaniels was trying to win in the home ballpark. But he did. Yeah. He did. He was uh, going. Yeah, they were going. That, was, that really surprised me. I thought Trevon Walker actually looked pretty good for the Jags. Yeah. He had what, one sack and he had a couple where they like doubled him but he had a couple nice moves. He looked he looked athletic. Um, but for the most part it, it it was pretty bad football. It was really bad football. It's, but it's, it was football. It's football. Yeah. It's it was bad football. Um, the half was dining having mayo and ignoring the, the such <laughs> Did, it, did I, it catch your attention uh, at all? Last it did night? not. I I saw that Jacksonville was playing and I thought, "Oh, hey, we're doing their game in a week and wouldn't be bad to maybe just familiarize myself with a few of the names, but it's become really hard for me to watch the Hall of Fame game because the regular preseason games already are not seeing household names play. So this is like mostly the guys that are 40 and below on the roster. Yeah. Pretty tough to watch. Hit him with your idea. See what the half thinks of it. My idea yeah. or my breaking news. Because I'm treating it as I fact. like. Are we doing news. my breaking news? Or are we doing what I think they should do in the Hoff game? Yes. Here's Maybe what they we should, should do it right after uh, Coach talks at the podium. Oh, like what it. a teaser. Uh, honestly, this Great was going to be more fun. Here you go. Here's Coach. <laughs> All right, guys. Fire away. Kevin, you've talked about having a plan at quarterback with uh, Jacoby and Deshaun, how you're going to mm -hmm. split reps. Has that plan changed at all since Wednesday when you guys found out the NFL was going to appeal? No, I, I think with our plan, Jake, we'll, we'll just kind of await clarity on the situation, um, but just continue to – move ahead with uh, what we're doing. Do you have clarity, though, with the NFLPA not appealing? Do you have clarity that at least 
you know Deshaun will not be available for the first six weeks no matter what? Or are you still hopeful that he could be available week one? Yeah, I would. I hope in the next few days that those type of questions get answered. It's, it's possible this won't be resolved before you guys play Jacksonville right. next week. So is right now the plan for both guys to play? We're, we're, we're talking through that, Jake. Uh, you know, it's coming up here on Friday, so we're uh, talking through some of those scenarios, but I haven't finalized those just yet. Kevin, we know it's a food situation, but was there any letdown that you may be excited that there was an end and now it's extended back out? No, I, I, like I've said to you guys from the beginning, uh, we're just controlling what we can control, uh, understand that, that this is a process, and, and I'll continue to make decisions uh, with the information that I have. Kind of following up on Jake's first question, it feels like the suspension is going to get longer because of the appeal. So your decision to get Jacoby more first-team reps has not gone into effect yet? Like you're not pumping that, you know, pumping the plan up, I guess? Yeah, I would say I'm not going to speculate. I'm going to wait till I have some uh, concrete information. Has any of this been a surprise to the organization, or did you guys play the scenario out where the NFL could appeal and could be longer than six games? Yeah, I think all of these scenarios uh, you have to be ready for, uh, Nate. Um, and again, it's like we've talked about all along. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the various scenarios, kind of just deal with what's in front of me. Kevin, given the, the strength of, of your defense, your running game, all the other areas of the team, how confident are you that you guys can accomplish all the goals that you have this season, regardless of whatever news that you get from, from the NFL? Yeah, Mary Kay, I'm not going to go too far into you know the future and what's you know what's coming. I think I've tried, and I've asked the players to do this, so I'm going to do the same. I've tried to take a one-day-at-a-time approach. Uh, and, and focus on the day and focus what we have in front of us, which is practice. But all those type of conversations are probably for another time. Do you have any, anything that you can say to you know, all the fans that kind of come out here and are so excited about this football team this season, reasons why they should be excited regardless of what happens? Yeah, I think, like we've mentioned, we're excited about this season as a team. Uh, the guys are, are very excited about 2022. And, and you mentioned the fans. We've, we've, I've definitely felt the energy from these fans. So... Uh, but in terms of specifics past that, I, I don't know that it's that time yet. Um, but, yeah, I think the guys are, are excited about the work that they put in so far, and, and they're certainly looking forward to competing come September. Kevin, I'm not sure uh, Bill Callahan was the first coach you contacted, but I think he was the first coach you announced on getting your job. So my question is, why was he the number one target at offensive line, if he was? And Go on from there. Yeah. Uh, well, Coach O'Shea was the first hire, okay. um, but Coach Callahan uh, was somebody that I did not know personally. Really, the connection there was through Brad Childress and Coach Childress and Coach Callahan worked together way back when. I believe maybe they started it was at Illinois when they first uh, started together. Uh, so Coach Callahan, obviously, I knew from afar, knew all about him, respected his work, uh, and then as you get to the business of putting staff together, that's that's a complicated puzzle. And that offensive line piece is a very, very large piece of that puzzle. Uh, so when Coach Callahan happened to be available at that time, uh, and with my connection to Coach Childress, um, Coach McVeigh, I spoke to uh, about Coach Callahan early on in that process. Uh, and it was very clear that he was somebody that, that I felt like I needed to have on this staff. Just number one, he's, he's a good offensive line coach, but number two, being a former head coach was something that was important to me as well. Were you given the advice, get 
your offensive line coaches as quickly as you can. Yeah, that's definitely something that that is uh, talked about in, in this business. It, it's a big hire, and, and it's a. Uh, as you guys know, Coach Callahan means a lot to our success, means a lot to me uh, on a personal and professional level. Um, so it was a big deal when, I, when we were able to get him because uh, there's certain years that Bill Callahan's not available uh, based on, you know, he's got a job. In that case, I was fortunate that he was uh, looking for one. Speaking of the line, what kind of resources Joe Thomas spend for your guys in this camp spending time with the DLA? Yeah, I think it's been great. Uh, Joe is always welcome here. I've told him that. He. He can come every day if he wants. Uh, we'll set up a locker for him. Uh, but he's, uh, he's somebody that's done it at such a high level uh, for such a long time, um, been through the ups and downs of an NFL season. So I just think he has a lot to offer our guys. Uh, so as much as Joe is willing, uh, we're always willing to take uh, him here at Berea. I know he's talked to some of your guys, you know, um, some of the younger guys especially. But is it accurate that this is really the first time he's been able to be hands-on because of the protocol? Yes. Yeah, I mean, if you think back, twenty, at least for me, 2020, nobody was here. 21 was all the tears, and there was a limited number of people you could bring in. So definitely this is the first time that it feels normal that you can have you know, a resource like Joe Thomas available to your players. Kevin, uh, a week before your first game, are you where you wanted to be in this camp, or are or, we? Or... I think we're hard to say. I think we're where we are knowing we have a long, long way to go. I think the guys are working very hard. I think we're where we want to be from an installation schedule. Uh, but we have work to do, and, and fortunately here we'll get some more you know, hot weather to do it in, and we'll be in pads in the next couple of days. So starting to integrate that contact period and, and those type of things. So we're on track, uh, but recognizing we got a long way to go. And we talked to Martin today, and I know We've seen his length. I think that's the first thing that stands out about him. What else have you gotten to learn about him since you drafted him and you know, you've had him these last few months? Yeah, Ashley, I think he's really competitive. So he does a nice job out of practice and competing for the ball. Uh, he's very intelligent. We knew that going into that process of the draft. So that has shown up. Uh, he does what he's supposed to do when he's supposed to do it. So he's been very accountable uh, in that way. But he's been as advertised uh, based and, and why we're excited to get him. He, he's shown those things to us. Every day you're allowed three padded days in a row, right, based on some other things. Do you have that on your schedule for three in a row anytime? Not this week, but potentially moving forward. Can you talk about ironing, sharpening iron all the time? Mm -hmm. But specifically with the wide receivers, having that versatility of body size and skill set, how are you seeing that shape your Yeah, it's a good question, Cam, because we do try to do things ones versus ones oftentimes, and, and you want, you know, quote-unquote good versus good, and I, I think for our players uh, to, to get really good competitive work against each other, uh, I think there's a way to do that, and, and certainly when you're talking about the offensive players, going against some talented defensive players, uh, you have Amari Cooper, who's a bigger uh, body, uh, different skill set than, say, a Demetric Felton, for instance. So I think it's really good that those guys get to work against different people throughout this camp. Will you have anybody back in practice today that has been injured, such as Anthony Schwartz or anybody like that? Those guys are really close. I think in the next few days we'll get some of those guys back, but not today. AJ Green's a guy that just every day seems to come out here and make plays. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, those are the easy to see, see when he's getting those PBUs and the 11 on 11. But just from a consistency standpoint, from your perspective, and maybe even Joe and what you've talked about, yeah. just how consistent has he been? And are, are we making more uh, of what we're seeing or not enough of what we're seeing out of him? 
I don't know what you're making of it, uh, Daryl. Uh, he's having a good camp. He's a good football player, and I think he showed that when he got opportunities last season in games. He's shown up on special teams throughout his career. Uh, so I think he's in, he's another guy. He's in the natural progression of, of being a, a third-year player and, and seeing if he can take that next step. Kevin, you're talking about getting work in, going back to Wednesday. You pulled the team all together kind of earlier in practice. Was that about your maybe seeing the work you wanted to? No, no. That was just sometimes I'll pull them together to explain the next drill we're doing. Could you, you go... corners get a better teacher than Cooper? Yeah, that's a good point, Marla. Uh, you know, he's a challenge for corners, and, and I just think about when I was evaluating him this season when he maybe was going to be available. The corners in this league really feel Amari coming off the ball. Uh, and it's, it's, again, that we've talked about it, the combination of, of size and speed and savviness and, and, and lean and all those type of things. So uh, those corners uh, talk to Amari a lot after a play and, and ask about certain things he's seeing. So uh, he's definitely able to show them physically uh, and then he's the professional that loves to talk ball afterwards. You guys were complimentary of Greg Newsom throughout his rookie year. Um, how do you think he can get better to maybe areas you've already seen to make strides? Yeah, I think there's a ton of room uh, for growth with Greg. Uh, again, second-year player, uh, played inside and out for us last season, was competitive when the ball was in the air. Uh, so I, I think there's a ton of technical things that he can, can work on, and he's, and he's working on those things with Coach Howard and Coach Lynch. Uh, and then just a general understanding. Uh, so much of that becomes uh, schematic understanding and pattern recognition, uh, the things that allow you to just react and not think. And you see some young players oftentimes are playing slow because they're thinking, and, and we really want them to react as opposed to think. He's talked about how his mom and his sister have been kind of critical of him, like when he makes a mistake, you know, first to point it out. Um, did you have that when you were playing growing up? I mean, I oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know, I know what that feels like. That, that continues to today. That continues to today. Mostly from dad or? Yeah, uh, dad and brothers, yeah. Under the category of he will do it, turn over any stone to yeah. find talent, would Colin Kaepernick be on the Browns ready list at any point? Yeah, I'm not going to have those type of discussions, Tony, on who we've uh, looked at and haven't, but I'll kind of leave that internal. How's James Hudson doing? James is doing a good job. He's uh, continuing to come along. Uh, you know, he played a lot last season, maybe more than we thought he would because uh, we had that rash of injuries early. Uh, so he got thrown in there, had some good moments, and then I think this offseason has been really, really key for him, getting his body uh, where it needs to be, getting his understanding of the position where it needs to be because he was a defensive player. He was a late transition to offensive tackle. So he's a guy that I believe is making strides, and, and I'd go back to Coach Peters and Coach Callahan and Coach DeCoster, the work that they're doing with him. Uh, I think is showing dividends. You told us a bunch of times like it's hard in the spring to answer O line D, D line questions. Um, you know, you got some pads, padded practices. What's your progress report on him for now? Is he yeah, up to you at all? I think to your point, it, now is when you start to answer that. I still think it's a little early, just when they've only been on for for a couple times. So, uh, but he's there's a skill set there, obviously that we're excited about. You see him in drills; he comes off the ball. There's an explosive ability. Uh, he needs a ton of technical work, like a lot of these young guys do. He just needs reps after reps after reps. So uh, luckily, we have the time to do that for him right now. Um, but I'd say it's a little early to, to make a uh, more of a claim than that. Kevin, you've been in a situation in your career where you had to plug in Case Keenum in Minnesota and play him for most of the season. It obviously had a, a nice result for you guys. 
uh, do you see you know some 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 similarities, and do you feel you know super confident that Jacoby can kind of carry this team if it turns out that he has to do that for 10, 12 games? Of right. Season? Yeah, I, I think I definitely use my experiences in the past to help inform me now, uh, and that was a also a unique situation. Um, so I definitely lean on some of those experiences. I had other experiences to think about when Favre came in uh, to the Vikings late in the process. Sam Bradford got to the Vikings uh, late uh, trade uh, after Teddy's unfortunate injury. So I think any a, a lot of your coaches here that have spent a lot of time in this league have sent, seen a bunch of different things when it comes to guys becoming available and then getting them ready to play and, and you know having an offseason to get a guy ready to play. So I think we're going to use all those experiences that we have uh, but when it comes to the quarterback position, you know, the, the approach we're having, taking right now is we've got to get everybody ready to play. Uh, and that's the beauty of training camp when you can have a bunch of reps and, and get Deshaun his reps, get Jacoby, get Josh Rosen, get Josh Dobbs his reps. And I, I think that's kind of where we are now. And has there been a little bit of a method to your madness with giving Deshaun I hope so. many reps? <laughs> because, I mean, you don't, you don't even know yeah. at this point if he will be available to play in some of those early games that you didn't think he would be able to because of yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll let that play out, Mary Kay. But uh, we got to get Deshaun ready to play. He hasn't played uh, football in a year. Uh, we got to get Jacoby ready to play. I mean, he, he's potentially going to be playing early for us and starting, and, and we're going to be counting on him. Uh, same thing for Dobbs and Rosen. Those those guys have to be ready to play. So I just look at it as we're going to use every opportunity we have out here, individual drill, post practice, during practice. We got to get all these guys ready to play. Yeah, obviously. Last one here. Games, yeah, but do you see that, that, any of that rustiness on Deshaun that you mentioned that he hasn't played since the end of 2020? No, I, I wouldn't say I see rustiness, uh, Jeff. I think you know these preseason games will be an opportunity to play when it's it's game setting and and the defense can come after you and, and you're you're you know, you're truly in a game. I think that that'll really be more uh, when when you uh, get closer to game reps than say a practice. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Thank it. You. All right, there's head coach Kevin Stefanski. I thought the most noteworthy thing there is that Joe has a locker if he wants one permanently. I'm so I thought taking him up on that one. I like that. That's very that that's a lock as it should be. Well, that's, that's appropriate. Let's go back to we told you, luminaries as big L as they get on the on the personnel side have said <laughs> they're ready. You, they saw enough. They saw all that, they that needed to see on that kick drill. Super Bowl. <laughs> that's it. When it One happens, game. when it happens, like Hollywood Hogan. Oh my God! Good God Almighty! It's Joe Thomas. It's Joe Thomas's music. Oh my goodness! High school, high school huh? High school. That look was my at first that. interview look at of all time. After look the at that beard that you had coming in. Look at that. A man amongst boys. It's, it's, there, oh it reminds me of when Mike Damone's like, "You can. Pr- it's coming in real nice. You can press it in, Rhett. You can press it in." <laughs> Hoff, what was your hoops game like? Uh, I was pretty solid. All-state yep. hooper. I mean, Wisconsin, not ultra-competitive in the hoops category. But I was like uh, 10 boards, 12 to 15 points. Um, we had some good scorers on the team, yep. so I wasn't really asked to do a whole lot of scoring. But I had a very good field goal percentage, 65% field goal, yes. 75% from the line. So I was I was additive to any team. Put me on any yes. team. Yes. I can play good defense. I can get rebounds. I'm going to give you that. 12 to 15 points. I'm not going to miss any shots. No turnovers. 
I was a great role player. Just like Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Yes. Double, Just double. like Bill Russell. Just That's like what Russell Bill said. Russell. He double, goes, double. look, there were other guys who scored. I did the things that yeah. needed to be done. Double. These are the dirty work. That's why I fit well as an offensive lineman. Who was when you were – You're okay with it. As a young half, who was like your – was basketball your first love or football? Yeah, I would say probably because I was big on the AAU circuit when I was in – Okay. Who was your hoops? Like who was your the guy that you wanted, like your pro hoops Yeah, you know, I don't know if I had anybody that I like – emulated or like idolized uh but i grew up a milwaukee bucks fan being in milwaukee and so glenn big dog robinson sure. was a was big a big dude but i would say actually my all-time favorite was probably Shaq, right because uh, he yeah. was such a great talent personality just transcendental yeah offensive player in the yeah. nba the hack of Shaq. i mean it was just fun watching like back in those days he, he would be breaking backboards and the kids of throwing no people around. How athletic he was. One of my how he could run. Oh, when he was my, young, especially. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite calls in basketball ever was from the McDonald's All-American game, and Dickie V was on the call, and Shaq took a rebound and went coast to coast and like shook some guy and then just finished it with just a monstrous mm. dunk. And Dickie V is like, "Are you serious? Are you for real? That's a seven footer, <laughs> baby." Yes, he was. Oh my very, goodness! Very good. Hold on. Are you too young to even know Jack Sigma? Oh, I remember Sigma. Uh, Sigma. We used to do the Sigma Everybody drill. Everybody Sigma drill. Oh, yeah, Sigma yeah the Sigma drill. drill. Square right? up, and then you do a little of the hooks. Yeah, yeah, hooks underneath. Yeah, the hooks. I think we underneath saw it. Was that a Jack Sigma at the end of the kick, uh, at the end of the two-minute drill? I think it might have been. Might have been. That's right. Yeah. Either that or uh, Sigma. Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, yeah, the little Kareem wow, skyhook. Wow, go old school on the skyhook. Yeah. Now everybody's winning. Another Milwaukee uh, guy. We will give, uh, right. we'll run our ideas uh, past the Hoff for the Hall of Fame game, among other things, as the team is out here. Keep you keep painting the picture of, of what we see out here at uh, at mini uh, at training camp rather on yeah. this fine day. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Bath Authority can give you that bathroom of your dreams, and they can do it for you in about a day. You want that spa-like experience? They're your guys. The Bath Authority makes it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. Expert factor trained installers. Give them a call now. 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. You call 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects are all made right here in the United States of A., Superior Products, expert installers, 216-220-8399. Tell them both sent you. They'll take care of you, 500 bucks off. Let me run my ideas by you, Hoff. Yeah. <laughs> Hall of Fame game. Hall of Fame okay. game. This is an, an incredibly important weekend for the league. This is the Hall of Fame class. It's welcome to the NFL. Starters have to play. And I don't even care if you go thud. But I need to see Trevor Lawrence out there. I think it has to be mandated that those guys play in that game. Protect them. We're going to have the Eagles here next week. Everyone's going to play smart. No one's going to hurt quarterbacks. Why couldn't you do the same thing in the Hall of Fame game? How can the NFL let this be what we saw last night? Here you go. Here's NFL football for 2022. So your suggestion would be force the starters to play, but don't allow them to tackle the quarterback? Is So more That's like it. a spring game? I don't or know even, no, how Columbus take care does a spring game. Take care of yourselves. Yeah, kind of like a spring game. Take care of yourself. Even on the outside, even with the skill guys. Thud. How about we even just treat it like how you would treat it like a joint practice that. where you can't. There you go. Treat it like a joint practice. And you can do one-on-ones. You can do so I like that zone, idea. goal line, and just have it be kind of like an awesome because competition, but in a much safer environment well, with it, real people. It makes sense for 
two reasons. One, nobody really cares about the score anyway. I mean, maybe there's exactly betting interest. Do they knows. even take a, a they bet, do. They uh, like do. a line on this? I, yeah. I'm not a sports gambler, but I imagine that that might be difficult to not have the scoreboard if, if that's the case. But if you made it like a joint practice, the, the, certainly the fans would get a lot more out of it. People would love to watch that, to be able to have one-on-ones and yeah. to be able to have red zones and, like, your different situations. That's exciting for fans. That's I why agree. they come to training camp for. Like, I would tune in then. Instead of going to uh, the great Fahrenheit restaurant in Tremont last night with my wife to go see the great chef Rocco Whalen, I That's would actually right. turn on the game and watch it a little bit if I knew I was going to be able to get something out of it and enjoy watching Trevor Lawrence throw some one-on-one routes with his receivers and cornerbacks. Like, that would be exciting to me. You'd have seen the that. coaches would like that because they could script their practice and get what they wanted out of it rather than just having a game they were trying to get through. Yeah, you'd have Devontae Adams in one-on-ones with Derek Carr throwing him the ball. You'd have Waller and Redford. Oh, it would be you'd so fun. The real Your ratings would be times 100. The whole thing is yeah. just absurd. NBC puts – I mean, they had their whole crew there. I mean, yeah, they're putting a lot of effort your boy, this. Your boy Jack's down there working things. How, how happy did Rodney look? Thrilled. Him and – like, <laughs> Jack and Chris Sims with Rodney. Rodney's uh, over the moon at this operation. I feel like purely overjoyed. Yeah. yeah. I did yeah. think Jason There's a lot Garrett of Matthew Barry, good. by the way. Matt, yeah. Matt Barry did a great He's job. He's all over good the to place. see him there. Yeah. Uh, I thought that um, – I thought Jason Garrett was really good uh, on, the, on the color. Yeah, I thought he, he was will, really I good. think he will be good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like if this is your first run at it, yeah, I, and I think like I agree. my guess is their view is like people aren't smart enough to understand that if it's not a game, they won't understand what they're watching. And I think that's silly. I think no, I think, I think NFL fans, fans are they way more evolved than that. I agree. You can even do right. You can have like you field goal contests game. where you got like the kickers sitting and stuff. Like they, this you could do every right. You could still have, still have a game. Maybe you could break it down where there's bit. like scoring in the one on ones. Sure, right. Yeah. Every time it's a right. catch, it's a point for the offense. Every time it's a not a catch, it's a it's a point for the D. A picks worth two. Yeah. A touchdown's worth you know two, and you go and you do that. And I think people would have a great time with it. I think it'd be fun to watch because you're watching the actual players play yes. in an environment that is somewhat safe. Like the fact that, you know, you think, okay, all right, Trevor Lawrence year two, they just signed Christian Kirk to, you know, for 17 million a year. Yeah. Was that crazy? You didn't get to see either one of those guys. You didn't get to see Travis Etienne who's back. You didn't get to see Devonte Adams playing with his college quarterback, Derek Carr or Renfro or Waller, Max Crosby, any of the stars of the game. You didn't see with the exception of the first overall pick who had a nice showing kind of like Michael Parsons did last year in that hall of fame game. I, I, right, it's like do better. Do better. Do, do better. So, Come yeah. on, it's the first time we see football. Right, it can't be like that. Yeah, it's really bad. Even when I was playing, and when starters used to play in the preseason, I mean, we'd play three quarters in the third preseason game. Even back then, nobody yeah. played in the Hall of Fame game. Right. And now, when you don't have your starters play hardly at all in the preseason, the Hall of Fame game has got even worse. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's, it's terrible. Bad. And I think Kent deserves better. I think the league, the Everybody fans. Everybody deserves better. Everybody deserves like, how better. do you yeah. actually turn it on and watch? I Wouldn't you be interested to see, like, if they had a thing with the throwing nets and you had to have Carr or Buckets in the corner of the end zone and you had Carr versus Lawrence and it was just, yes. they each got ten throws. I mean, look, you, you could still do the 11-on-11. 11 11. We do 11-on-11 11 11 in joint practice. But I was going to say, I make it like a joint practice. That's yeah. exactly, I think, your, your best answer because that's the most interesting thing for everybody, and it's going to make the players and the coaches get something out of it like a practice, like yes. the reason that they do joint practices in the first place. So I, I think that p- potentially like could that. be there. But I do wonder with the gambling influence now in sports and how you have to keep score some way and be able to bet on it in Why some not manner. Get, you can – Gamble on Carr versus Lawrence. Ten shots into the anything. bucket. You can oh, gamble you on, I'm right. sure, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let you Vegas sort it out. 
right. figure it out, and they will. All right, we'll hear from. Well, give them your spoiler alert for next year too. Oh, breaking well, news. That's yeah, that's not even scores. It's it's officially official. News. Um, it will be us versus Jets Ooh. next year. Oh, you and Revis. Revis, you guys Revis going Island. in together. That's right. And and so Hoff, while you were enjoying a lovely meal at Fahrenheit, I was. Next year, you're gonna have to sit through the whole damn thing, brother. Ah, I hope it's not <laughs> this hot because, <laughs> as you guys know, I have a sweating problem. It's going to be brutal. I'm going to have imagine? to wear diapers under my armpits for how, that thing. How excited are you going to be with a weather delay? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly on right. On a Thursday night in Canton. Let's have a weather delay that makes it even more humid and hot. <laughs> I, but listen, remember, I've, I've given you, we've given you a lot of insights in there. The Edger and James experience was a pretty good one. So oh, make, I saw some, some of those photos from that party. I'm already thinking about the party. Yeah. That place. <laughs> make some reservations. I, I will say right. this. We're up against it. I will say this. That stadium next year full of Browns fans is going to be sweet. That's going to be really sweet. Um, Oh, my God. All right, Joel Batonio will join the program, continue to paint the pictures here. We are in a full contact session today here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. now to welcome in the oldest friend of the show because he is the longest tenured Cleveland Brown been with Browns daily since 2014 the great Joel Batonio Joel how are you I'm doing well just in the heart of camp you know getting through it and uh getting used to this heat a little bit Joel as we sit here and we look over there there's the Hoff right there who set up a pretty elite standard you're on your way though to trying to match that standard not in terms of just in terms of consecutive snaps played all that pro bowls made where are we at now on the consecutive pro bowls Joel I think we're at four Pro Bowls, four All-Pros. You know, one of them was a first team. So uh, we're going to try and keep it going this year. You know the other guard in Brown's history to also make four Pro Bowls. I believe it was Hickerson, right? Yeah. And where is he now? Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Okay, we'll just go ahead and just we'll just let that marinate for the folks just for a second there. What's it like being back, man? Going through another camp. You are clearly the elder statesman. You look at that guy and you say, maybe one day I'm going to be, you know, doing stand-ups right there, talking smack with my boys. But now you're still in the mix, playing at a high level. What's it like just kind of going through another camp for you? Yeah, it's all the process. You know, I think things have changed a little bit since you know, young in my career. They, there's a little bit more of a ramp-up period and. Uh, you know, they try and take care of the bodies a little bit more early in camp. But um, it's still training camp. You're still here grinding in meetings, grinding on the field, you know, pushing each other on the field to get better. Um, and it's part of the process. You know, I, I think I haven't had like an August off, you know, since I started playing football in seventh grade. And it's just it's just kind of part of the process. But it's great to be around the guys. I mean, it's it's a little bit different this year with, you know, less COVID restrictions. So, you know, the fans are here. You're signing autographs. You're seeing people. Families can come visit. All that fun stuff that's part of camp is, is happening again. So it's uh, – it's been a good start. Remember when you signed my uh, my friend Mark and Ashley Monaco's baby? I do, I do. That was that was probably early in my career, but yeah, yeah, I do remember that. He's like a he's like a real legit human now. He's come a long way. He's come a long way. Uh, how is it with the fans? Isn't that nice to have that back? And and what do you think of just kind of all the space now? These houses where we're sitting used to be a home, and now it is now all this beautiful area, more bleachers, more areas for the fans to to be. Yeah, they've done a great job, you know. Um, some of the inside stuff has changed a little bit. they got the regen rooms for us and uh, all, all that fun stuff. But out here, I mean, I walked out the first day, and I was like, oh, my gosh. they, You know, I knew they took some of the houses down, but they, uh, you know, took down the fence, got a little more viewing area, got those cool little, you know, game day boxes over there for people to look at. So it's a, it's a great atmosphere, you know. I haven't been to too many. I've been to, you know, Indies and Tampa Bay's camps and stuff like that. And Tampa's I, was awful. That was so hot. That was miserable. 
that was the first time ever in my life that I was like, I might not finish practice. You know, it was so hot there. So I think we have a good man. I think the you know the puppy pound, all the fun stuff for the kids. Like I think we got a great setup here in Berea. It is good, and I think you you can feel kind of that energy and the enthusiasm, which I'm sure helps you guys get through as they call them the dog days of summer. But let's talk about this this offensive line room. How do you like the room? And, and, you know, you have had consistency, right? You look to your left, there's Jed Wills, and it's been JC. In comes Nick Harris. But in training camp, it was always Nick Harris right to your right. So how has that kind of been, and, and how's that that line coming together? Yeah, I like our room right here. You know, um, Coach Callahan, Coach Peters, John DeCoste, they're all um, they're all in there doing a great job, you know, leading us from the coaching standpoint. And I think we got a good room that works hard and, uh, you know, understands the standard we want to get to. We, we, you know, I thought we were injured a little bit last year. We didn't quite play up to our standard because um, we want to be one of the best lines in the league, and that's kind of kind of where we want to take our our group to. But it's great to have Jed back. I think he's really focused and and putting work this off season to try and you know take that next step as a tackle. And um, you know Nick, he's my guy. You know he's been here going on three years now, but I've probably practiced with him as much as anybody. You know because anytime JC had an off day or you know knee was swelled up a little bit, it was it was Nick Harris time. And, and like you said, the last two camps he's pretty much been in there from the get go. And he has that experience. You know he has some gameplay, but it's it's been good. And then yet. Jack making his way back, Hub making his way back, and of course White's over there too, uh, kind of holding the right side down right now. But um, it's a good group, and we have a lot of competition. You know, there's a lot of young guys. You know, for those backup spots, I thought James had a great offseason. He seems, you know, stronger and more fluid in his kicks and stuff like that. So it's a really good room, and I think the competitiveness is great. But everybody gets along pretty well too. What was it like at the end of the practice a couple days ago when the half? walks over and starts holding court and everybody's looking around and for you this is something you'd you know you came in the league and you're probably oh my goodness I'm playing next to Joe Thomas and now you know you're the all pro he is retired but he got to have that moment which by the way I think was like his favorite thing that he's done in a long time yeah he's so so natural and, and um such a good you know describer almost too detailed you know the way he can describe a pass that it's like artwork for him you know and he uh he does a great job but I think when you have a guy like Jed and Hub and, you know, Hub played with him a little bit, but these guys like that get to see greatness, you know, up front and they get to ask those questions. It's something when your coach tells you, Hey, do this. But when Joe Thomas is like, Hey, this worked for me, you know, I think that clicks in people's head and um, there's such a respect in the line community for him, but for the great players that came before us and, and to be able to pick their brain and really just uh, focus on a couple things. And, and Joe's, such a freak athlete like I mean he's so different that he does some things that I don't know if anybody can replicate but taking one or two things away from his game that you can use in your game I think is always a huge step did you watch him when he was doing his practice kicking where his back foot never touched the ground he was going like halfway across the field yeah he looked real smooth um like right it's crazy yeah he was floating you know and I uh that's I always remember it you know he was just so smooth with it and just so natural you know one of the more it's it's really awkward position like backpedaling you know back kicking um, you know, and you have to stop a 300-pound man in front of you. And, and Joe was always so, you know, smooth and flawless with his kicks. Listen, your kicks had to be pretty darn good because you went out to left tackle last year and just dominated the competition. Let's be honest about it. You hadn't done it since Nevada, right? And, you know, of course, maybe a couple training camps, there was a time when that was the plan. You were going to be the heir apparent for a brief moment there. And they're like, yeah, let's go back where he's an all-pro guard. That seems to be a good idea. What was it like for you getting back out there at left tackle last year? Cause, and this just clicked in my head. You never actually played in a game next to Nick, right? Because he who played left tackle in Green Bay when he played center that day. Correct. I haven't played next to Nick. He was the center, and then two years ago he played guard when I played guard. So we were uh, never next to each other. Yeah, you know, it was one of those moments where, you know, I definitely feel more comfortable at guard now, but at the moment it was like we had no one else. And, and you know, they told me a few days before the game, like, hey, it's your turn at left tackle. And 
I mean, I wasn't the most comfortable out there, but I was like, I'm going to compete. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. And, um, you know, it's funny. We pull up some run clips or we're installing something like, oh, this is a play from, you know, the Raiders game or Green Bay game. And I'm like, oh, there I am at left tackle. So I can always tell my kids someday, like, yeah, I played left tackle a couple games in the league. It was no big deal. At an elite level. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the prettiest at all times, but, you know, I went out there and, and competed. I think that's probably like in your genes, right? Bare knuckle fighting in your past. It's maybe not the prettiest brawling, but it gets the job done. Yeah, you got to go out there, compete, and just uh, fight for your guys. Exactly. So this is obviously a unique camp, and we're not going to get into the big picture of that. But how do you guys kind of just stay focused and try to keep it normal day to day? Yeah, I think Coach Stefanski does a great job of just keeping us focused on the day. Um, You know, there's stuff that's going to happen. There's going to be decisions that are really out of our hands. Um, so we got to go out there and put our best team on the field, no matter really who is the quarterback out there. But, but Coach Stefanski, I mean, he just has us locked in on the assignment. You know, if we're focusing on third downs today or, or short yardage or anything like that, we're just really focused on that aspect. And we don't really have time to think about what's going to happen. You, nobody can give a better scouting report on some of the young guys that are trying to emerge our defensive tackle room. A lot of young guys. You get to see these guys. What have you seen so far from, say, Jordan Elliott and Taven Bryan? Because those are the ones you've been matched up with the most. Yeah, Jordan did a great job. I mean, another guy, him and Nick both, I think, put in tremendous amount of work this offseason. I mean, he's feeling heavy. He's always had pretty heavy hands, but now he has some, you know, weight behind him too. So I think that's that's great for our defense to have that true kind of nose guard um, player. But the other thing is in he's great shape. You know, he probably put on like 20 pounds, and, and he's still moving well, and he's still, uh, you know, very strong, and all those things are good. He seems like he has his has his wind, which is tough when you put on that, that amount of weight. But I think he's in for, you know, a huge step. And then, um, yeah, Brian, I mean, he, he has that quick first step. You know, I remember we, we played him against Jacksonville, and I was always like, all right, this guy has some twitch to him. You know, you got to be ready for that quick first step, and I think he fits in this defense good with the, you know, penetrating three techniques, and, and um, he's, you know, refining his pass game. And, and when you have some guys inside that can you know, move and twitch, you can set up some really good games with, you know, Miles and Clowney on the edge. Have you had an opportunity to converse with Perrion Winfrey in the trenches yet? We've had a couple, you know, I had a couple one-on-ones uh, with him so far, and uh, a couple, we did ones versus twos one day, so I got a few reps against him, and, um, you know, those D-tackles are still learning, but he's uh, he's exciting to me because he's such a, a wild card in the sense of, not a bad way, but, like, he, he just always, like, you don't know exactly what, what what's going to happen. Sometimes when you get a, th- uh, you know, a guy that's out there playing, you know exactly, he's like, all right, he's going to follow the rules. This guy might have a little uh, a little freedom there, you know, where he makes a play behind the play or, or he does something, but... I mean, you see his first step. Sometimes when he jumps off the ball and he gets off on the right snap count, I mean, this guy is pretty explosive, pretty passionate. And he, I think he just loves the game of football, which is something you can't really teach. But that's just going to develop. And um, I think he's going to have some serious splash plays this preseason. And it'll be, it'll be fun to see him. It will be fun. I remember listening to Peyton Manning once, and he said, every time I threw an interception, it's because the defense player didn't do what they were supposed to do. And that's how they ended up where the ball ended up. Yeah, I see that. Talk. I mean, it, it's – it's one of those things where you never think about, but you're like, you know, the longer you play in the league, you see things, you see a blitz coming, you know, four weak or four strong, and you're, you're watching, and you're like, all right, the three technique has to cross my face here, so I'm not going to set out to him. Then he doesn't do that, and he goes up the field, and you're like, wait, that's not what's supposed to do that. So, you know, you have a few of those plays sometimes where it's like, man, this is this is not what I expected. But, yeah, it happens out there, especially a guy like Payton probably knew the defense better than they knew themselves. Do you say that to them if that happens in a game and you're like, wait a second, you were not supposed – I know that's not what you were supposed to do. Yeah, a few times I'll be like, I think you got the B gap right there or something like that. I'm like, I think the A gap was yours right there. And, you know, occasionally if they're not too mad. One time we were playing uh, the Patriots and uh, the guy definitely was supposed to be in the B gap and I reached him real hard and he just like played in the A gap and I was like – we, you know, gained maybe 20 yards off the left side. And I was like, I was like, you definitely had the A gap. 
and he looked at me and as i was saying that someone was running in to get him off the field so i knew he was you know i knew he he had messed up on that one but sometimes they'll 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 joke with you you know or something like that depending on who, who you're playing against as a veteran like you are now what has changed in just your approach? You're a family man now. You think about that compared to young 2014 Joel Batonio coming in here. You know, what has changed your approach and what is it that you still love about this game and that allows you to continue to do it at the level that you do? Yeah, you know, I got I got two kiddos now and uh, seeing them at campus. Cool. I remember coming in and, you know, seeing Joe Thomas and I think he was going into year eight when I when I was a rookie and how old I thought he was. You know, he had, he had one kid, he had Logan already, and he had another kid on the way, you know, and I'm like, this guy's doing, like, crossword searches. and Such an adult, right? I'm like, what is this? And now I think about it, I'm like, I don't feel that old. You know, I'm going to year nine now, and, and these young guys, you know, Jed's like my brother's age, who's, you know, born in 99, like 23 years old, and, like, and I'm like, I'm 30, but, like, you know, you just feel a little bit older. But for me personally, like, no matter what really happens, like, there's something inside that just wants me to be better, and, like, you go out on the field every day and it's like you see something that happened or something you did last year and you're like, I want to fix that. I want to improve. I want to, you know, work to be the best. And it's, 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 you know, it, it's just something I pride myself on and, and, you know, hopefully the body holds up because I feel really good right now. I feel good. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm energized with the guys we have on this team and, and hopefully we can uh, make some runs here. I love that. You're like, I'm, he's so old. I'm, I'm 44. I still feel young. It, does, it doesn't change. This is a mindset, right? It's a state of mind. Yeah, I was doing Legos with my daughter last night, and I was like, this is awesome. Like, I'm going to be able to play Legos my whole life. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, I think it's a state, like you said, a state of mind. I feel pretty young. You know, my knees don't always feel that great, but, uh, but mentally I'm, I'm still there. When you talk about your desire to be the best, this is something I love talking to, to people who have been great at something like you have or even like Joe. So your position, right? And he said this, and I think that it obviously applies even to guards, well, it's just the offensive line in general. You are measured, right, in how many times, like, you do something bad. It's not about how many times you do something right. That's kind of the expectation, but that's when attention typically is brought to an offensive lineman. So, like, let's say there's a 65-play game or 70-play game. You go 69 for 69, 69 pancakes, perfect pass sets, nobody gets near, but the one time that gets somebody gets by you, is that what you're thinking about all night? A million percent. I mean, I have to watch the game before I go to bed because, like, I mean, even if you play, like, I've had some pretty good games where it's maybe one minus on the whole sheet or, you know, one or two, and they weren't even that bad of plays. But, like, for me to, like, check out mentally, I have to watch the film that night. And usually it's on the airplane or when I get home, you know, and my wife's, like, go to sleep, and I'm like, I can't. You know, I'm watching the game, and, and i got to see my plays. But, yeah, it's always a plays. And, you know, for a position like O-line, it's, it's that – honestly – it sounds weird, but like that fear of losing drives me to not want to lose. You know what I mean? It's the fear of making that mistake to hurt the team. Because a lot of times it's like, oh, you don't even need the line. You don't even need the line. But then that play when you don't make the play, you know, something bad happens. But that fear of losing that, you know, you're like, you don't want to let the team down and you want to, you know, compete at your best. I think that's a fascinating thing to me about talking to athletes who are, are at the top of their profession. Then I go back, I say this to Joe as well. There's a documentary called Comedian with Jerry Seinfeld in it. Jerry Seinfeld. And after, like, the peak of Seinfeld and all that, he goes back to go do and stand-up. And, like, before he would go out every time, he would be like, are they going to laugh? Like, am I going to bomb? Like, do, am I still funny? Like, you're Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, dude, you're, you're funny. It's going to be just fine. But it's that, that kind of fear of failure is a real powerful motivator. What percentage would you say of people that you encounter in this league? Because there's so many immensely naturally talented people have that mindset. Because it feels to me like it is not as common as you might think it is. Yeah, I would think the O-linemen – the great O-linemen, the guys that want to keep getting better. The O-linemen definitely have that mindset. I think DBs are very similar in their own way, but sometimes DBs forget about a play so quickly. I'm like, I wish I had that mindset. Yeah. You know, they just, like, throw it away so quickly. I'm sure there's quarterbacks like that. I would say 
probably 20 to 25 percent but some guys like d linemen sometimes just go out there and it's like i don't know what they're thinking i wish sometimes i had the nerves of a d lineman in a game because i go into a game every game i've you know 112 starts now and every game i'm just as nervous as i feel like i was the first game you know there's just this mental approach and it's it's part of the way to get you ready to play a game but i feel like some guys you know receivers maybe are just like having a great time and i'm like man sometimes i wish and when we win and we score and we have great plays like that gets me excited but but man there's that nervousness before that first drive where you're like man this is the real deal like i gotta go out there and play so it's a it's a you know decent percentage of guys but not like you said not everybody all right we'll end on this because you mentioned that you'll sometimes you'll get excited out there so last year when we beat denver and we had that run that finally sealed it. You had a great celebration that was able to be caught on tape, not only on TV, but also on the All-22, which is one of the real treats of that scene in the O-line celebration. What would you say has been your favorite celebration or one that has been called out in a meeting room where it's got really a good a thunderous plus? Because you have some good ones. Like you do, they're pretty understated sometimes. Then all of a sudden it's like you're twirling around with your hands in the air. It's really, it's a joy to see that kind of elation from you, Joel. I don't know. I, I think for me, mostly it's those like impose your wills plays. Like they knew we were running the ball. We were yeah. running, you know, gap scheme and to finish the game off. And, and, you know, we were down a quarterback that game. We were, we were kind of against all odds, you know, and they, they were a solid team at that point. And we were just like, we got to find a way to win. So getting that first down or like, you go on like a 12 play drive where nine or 10 of them are run plays and you get in the end zone or and there was no chub, no Kareem. It was Dearness who ended up being the ground player of the week. Thanks in large part to you guys up there. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's just those big moments, you know, you score a touchdown, you have like a pancake block on the play. It just gets your juices going, you know what I mean? There's a few plays that I can remember. I mean, that Denver game, there was a Pittsburgh one where, I think that Thursday night Pittsburgh game um, where we beat them. Uh, you know, there was some other stuff that happened that sure. night. But, you know, yes, it, where I, we had like a QB sneak and I just crushed a guy on the goal line. And, like, those plays just, like, you know, go back into my mind. And I'm like, I'm like that's why you play the game, to make those plays for your team. So it, it just, it's just part of it. Joel, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you this long, getting to see you continue to play at this high level. Best of luck this year, and uh, enjoy yourself out there. Thanks. Always will. All right, we'll be back with more Clean Browns Daily right after this. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer, as an employee, you'll be part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. We've added, I think, gentlemen, since last we reconvened, uh, at least 10 to 15 degrees of heat, about 28% of humidity. Nats. Nats. Apparently are Outrageous. now in the mix. But we're, we're all set for good meals in Puerto Vallarta, Did so we that's, get, that's uh, good. That's working. Gibby was gone for an hour. Did we get a fan? Yeah, where's the fan? How's the Gibby fan in going? An hour. Did you get a fan? No, I told you not to worry about what we had him doing. What we had him doing. What we had Stevie doing. Esteban, what's the update? No Five up texts? Update? No update. Five texts that were not responded to? No one's responded to a text? I see the gentleman next door have a fan. They've got a nicely. fan. They look very comfortable. And they don't even have, you, a, they don't have part, a. They don't even have a Stevie or a Hoff. Ken Carmen, no yeah. sweat. Did anybody? Joe Thomas, <laughs> lots of sweat. Sad. There's an issue right now. Feels right. It did feels anybody unjust. say like in in the ascertain when we're trying to ascertain the fan? Did anybody say the Hoffs involved? Yeah, Gibby, is it's this one a thing case for you and I to be disrespected? Right, but that's the constantly. Can we rattle some right. cages? Get the Hoff a fan. I feel like I mean, I'm in the swamps cow. of Florida right here in really is. July. Oh, my goodness. You want to help, Bugs, but you want him to humidity, come back? He's given no us breeze. his time for a whole That's week, right. and he's like, I'm never coming back there. Yeah. I'm not coming back. I'm looking at I was in, not treated properly. 
he's looking you, at infinity pools on Mummy Mountain back. because he's so unhappy <laughs> so, with the current state of affairs. Trying to put myself into some cooler temperatures mentally. Mental, right? Putting myself in a pool. On We're Mummy looking Mountain at Antarctica. Hoff, if you could, if you could, uh, a little play-by-play of jo- of Joel Batonio, who just turned that fabulous interview by Uzi, as he Gracias. watched the stationary bike here. There were moments where he was even hitting it on a stand-up. Yeah, he was getting really in after it. Like a climb. Joel you got to lean forward. A true professional. Yeah, there he is. He's had plenty of hours on those fan bikes, and uh, he knows how to cheat the system over there with. Look at him. No, look, at, look at that. That ain't cheating. Yeah. No, cheating as in with efficiency, so he gets the proper power outage. I'm estimating that he was getting. Th- I think he was faster than David Bell right there. Is there? There's no doubt. Is there a big guy's old? There yeah, there, there's a power like a wattage that they're trying to get above. Like typically, if you're going to do, you know, like twenty to thirty second burst you need to be above 600 watts if you're going to do longer like 60 second plus it's like three to four hundred but the big guys always dominate because it has no impact on your body weight like you know peloton's a little bit different because you put your own body weight in there for the formula with this it's just purely a wattage so the big boys always dominate the uh the air bike on rehab assignment Uh, we're getting a little uh a little one-on-ones right here right now i like it this is Mike great. Harley Jr. Dobbs on a vertical route. Oh, and broke Pernell Motley at the last second. Gets his hand in there and knocks away. This is what I like. I love one-on-ones and pads. I get fired up for this. This is one well, of my favorite. It goes back to what you were talking about with the Hall of Fame game. Yeah. Give us some of these Do one-on-ones. It. People are going to tune in and watch. I forgot that I'm hot. This is exactly what training camp is all about, right? Big no, no. guy one-on-ones, pass rush, run blocking, maybe some breakdown, you know, half-line type stuff, inside drill, one-on-ones, receivers, DBs, halfbacks, linebackers. Like, this is where pure joy happens for fans. Yeah, as we saw Dalen Baldwin, who joined the team uh, just a couple of days ago, 6'2", 220 out of Michigan, uh, running around. And here is Derek Dillon running around from Deshaun Watson, by the way, signed just a couple of days ago, uh, 5'11", 185, who spent some time on the practice squad for the Giants out of LSU. When we're going over the things we loved, uh, the fact that you seamlessly called a, a, a one-on-one participation of two humans I've never heard of. <laughs> so I was gonna like, I do this show every day. I've never heard of the two humans that you just said. And then <laughs> they were, you just called it a one-on-one. To be fair, I had to go into my notes and look because I knew sure. we, had just, we had just signed <laughs> them recently. Amari Cooper, guys? I know that him. That guy I know. All right, here's Donovan Peoples-Jones coming. And on the other side, we've got 83 that is the young man, Travell Harris, an undrafted free agent. An interception there on the defensive side. That's a JJ3, isn't it, on the pick? Is that a is that 43? A little, it's either a 43 or maybe a 40. It might be a 48. Angle is not elite over here Tough. being in the corner. Oh, Could have been a 40. I think I believe it. I'm, I'm believing that's a 49. Oh, I think it might be. It's a 49. Yeah, 49. 49er. 49. A and plus for your eyeballs. Great job. By the way, we just signed a corner today as well, so I don't know. Deion perhaps, Sanders? For, no, <laughs> nope. We signed a Lavert Hill, another okay. Michigan man there. We we like the Michigan kids, don't we? Apparently, That's a couple of those guys that we got in the mix. Lavert Hill doesn't have a number in our system yet. Twenty-two. I'm gonna I guess. Know. Oh, forty-nine was Sean Jolly. Yeah, Sean, Sean Jolly. Jolly. One of my favorites. <laughs> the young man. There, Demetric Felton getting wide open on the shallow cross there. Oh, there he, he gets broke hit in stride. I believe that was. Jacoby Brissett maybe just hit him in in stride. That was lovely. Sean Jolly, by the way, undrafted free agent out of Appalachian State, who was a three-time All-Sun Belt Conference first-team performer. Saw Mike Harley Jr. with the catch there, number 82. All-time leading receiver in terms of receptions in the history 
of the U. Dalen Baldwin with a nice catch there across yeah, the face of Brunel Motley. No, would, would not, not have, have had, had that. that. He broke Reggie Wayne's record as well as his single game record. Did Mike Carley Jr. But uh, he had like Deshaun's going that way. He had like I know six we're, we're seasons. Doing a lot of play by play of this, but he's he's going that way with this, right? He's right. out. He's working on the other end with the tight ends. There's Josh Dobbs with a little yeah. uh, finding a completion there against AJ Green to the young man Travell Harris out of Washington State. So far, we're not saying the names that you'd be familiar with. That's they're why down we're there, doing I, think. I think. I think it's the tight ends over there, maybe. Tight there ends more and receivers? running backs are over yeah. there. Safeties are over there. Uh, this is this. Although Delpit has bounced, uh, this is receivers and some corners. Some corners. Some corners. Yeah, Delpit gets some see, work in the nickel every now and then. I don't see twenty out there. I haven't seen him, and I have not seen twenty-one. No, I see twenty-one over there with a towel on his head. Yeah. Where's he at? He's Watching out without his shoulder. Right through the security guy. Uh, hopefully soon. I'm told he's he, they expect him to be back here relatively soon. On the other side, we got a little John Stanton doing a little work over there. Mm. It's weird seeing that 80 out there and it not being Jarvis. Yes. That, right? Well, and it being Derek Dillon. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Look at uh, Dalen Baldwin. A nice catch against Pernell Motley right there. It's a good, good zip coming Jacoby in. out of that one, that yep. one, too, on that. A nice ball. Here you go. Here's a little Greg Newsom Ooh. for you. Who's he lined up against there? Demetric Felton. Felton. Greg Newsom here. Working so, outside. A little hesitation, a little shake, a shimmy, and a little quick out. That's two in the row because he got Delpit on the cross before that, last time they went through. That's a little nice little, a little five-yard gain there for Dimitric. Yeah. I like kind of that delay that on the release there. <laughs> MJ like Emerson is an impressive-looking human. Oh, boy, isn't is he? he? Yeah. Every time we've Six seen him two. here in the one-on-ones, he's done a great job. Yeah. He did a good job. One of the receivers was running a fade. He diverted him off the line of scrimmage, pushed him really wide, and then used the sideline as an extra defender to help break the play up. It was textbook from what you want out of your cornerback. Lavert Hill wearing 35. I don't even know he's on your sheet there, Gibbe. No, Nate, that's still Nate Matters, so he took over that number right there. So when we see a 35, gentlemen, that's who we're, uh, that's who we're dealing with there. One-on-one -on -one reps, Hoff, is, there, is this where the most trash talk happens in all of training camp? Yeah, there's no doubt because everybody knows what's coming when it's on the schedule, and it's your – opportunity for everybody to be watching and to you to get the best of your opponent or for them to get the best out of you. And as you can see here, the Browns. MJ, everybody. So the offense got the better of the defense there. The defense doing, doing push-ups. Push it must now. have been a one-on-one -on -one play right there. And it was MJ Emerson was on the coverage and working against the Browns ride receiver. 83. 83 out of Washington State. And he got the best of them there. Travell Harris. Who's only 5'8", 182, Travell Harris, by the way. I mean, Emerson mirrored him perfectly. He was right there. Was right there. That was they a good ball. Put it, put it right in. Push-ups. And away you go. Got to get some Willie Mays in. Hayes after hitting the ball in the air right there. Yeah. This is exciting. So there you go. Um, it, so where did our tour guys go? Usually in previous days, fellas, we've had uh, a little bit of a longer workout here on a Friday. Once they get into some action, these guys get they get released. And that's so, it. They're free. They're free to roam. Free as a bird. What's a Joel Batonio doing right now, Joe? What did you do in these moments? Yeah, he's down there with the offensive linemen trying to coach up the guys that are out there, the young guys, especially the guys that maybe are filling in for him today, giving him little pointers, watching. And a lot of times the coaches, they'll give you a little bit of responsibilities. Hey, go take this guy, take the young guy over there. Why don't you work on X, Y, and Z for me? Maybe work on some of those double team blocks. This is the point of emphasis for this player today. You know, maybe it's that first step on some of your inside gap double team type things or maybe it's his first step on 
pass protection and a certain type of set. But uh, just trying to be an asset to the team, trying to be an extra set of eyes for the coaches and trying to encourage the guys that are out there that maybe are in your place. I'm curious to see who works with the first-team offensive line at that guard position without Joel Batonia. We have well, it's seen. Here. It's in here right here now. It looks like a number 79 to me, which would be Drew Forbes, if my eyes are not mistaken. I was going to say, we've seen Drew Forbes get second-team reps. We've seen Yelda Froholt get second-team reps. We've seen Michael Dunn get second-team reps. And we've seen Blake Hans get second-team reps at guard. And it, it does appear to be 79, which would be Drew Forbes, who was a Browns sixth-round pick a few years ago. Then he missed all of 2020. COVID, he opted out. He missed all of last year with an injury suffered uh, early in the season. And, yeah, Drew Forbes is True. working as the left guard. He was a sixth-round pick, small school. I want to say like Southwest Missouri State. Was. Wasn't he Forbes. Prospect X? He, I believe that he was Wasn't Prospect X. Wasn't he Prospect X, X in, in that story? Yeah. In that story that year. Yeah, yeah, he was it. So Deshaun Watson yeah, under center, and away we go. Southeastern Missouri State, and he's in a fight, obviously, to make the rest. It means he's done some good things in camp if he's getting this rep with Joel Batonio out today, right? Clearly, on? yeah. In this situation when Joel's out, what you're seeing is the very first guy, the person that they like the most, to back up the interior three players because on game day, remember, usually you only have two offensive linemen that are active. One of them is going to be your swing tackle, and the other guy is going to be somebody that can come in at either guard or even have to come in at center and be able to snap the football. So clearly they really like what Drew is doing because he's able to step in for Joel, and he's probably their favorite guy to be that person that's going to be active on the interior on game day. Can you explain what just happened here? So we went all offense out, all defense out. So second-team offense comes in with the exception of the first-team receivers because you have Amari here. you got Donovan Peoples-Jones over there. Felton's in there with Brissett. But it was the first-team offensive line and quarterbacks with Nick Chubb. Yeah, so it's interesting mix, right now. Right? I think we're doing some Hard situational yeah. work here. Uh, judging by the down marker over there, We've got fourth and one, and they were working on a little quarterback sneak, not necessarily from a hitting standpoint, but just the operations. Just the, okay. all right, this is the snap count we're going to use. This is the you know, this is the uh, the cadence that I want. A lot of times on a fourth and one, you're going to put a hard count in there that's just going to be built into any time we do a fourth and one sneak. It's automatically going to be some type of a hard count. The quarterback will walk away, get back up into, into the, uh, under the center, and then – Whatever the snap count is from there, it'll usually be either a quick count or on one at that point. Um, so receivers, they're nice sometimes, but sometimes they'll say, hey, you start working on the next thing while we take care of this fourth and one look, and we'll get back into it on the next series of plays, which it looks like now they're back to first and 10, doing maybe some red zone work there on that fringe 20 to 30 area on the field. And Drew Forbes still in there. Demetric Felton in the slot. Donovan Peoples-Jones as well as Amari Cooper. And they got a little stretch out to the right side for Nick <laughs> Chubb there, who is just exploding all over the field. And, uh, you know, he's had a great camp. But I think that this is a very interesting uh, thing that they were doing. So working on that hard count too, right, trying to draw them off, make sure we don't jump off. Just that little efficiency for that part of it for the offense. And now, as you mentioned, we're into some, some red zone teamwork here and still not tackling to the ground, which I don't know if we'll see in, in this camp. And maybe we will. Maybe we'll see yeah, a period know. of it, but I don't know. Coaches have different perspectives on how much tackling to the ground they want to do. Obviously, everybody gets tackling work during camp, but some coaches would prefer to get it more in those individual periods where they're yeah. tackling dummies or rings or whatever it looks like to build the proper technique, but they feel like the risk of tackling your own guys in camp might be too great, and they'd rather just get your tackling in preseason. 
Um, some coaches feel like, hey, I want to get that work. I want to make it as game-like as possible, make practice harder than a game. And so they want to get some periods, uh, especially as you ramp up to that first preseason game where they are taking guys to the ground. We haven't seen that yet. Um, but at some point, these guys are going to tackle here, whether that be maybe in the joint scrimmages or maybe in those preseason games. But you expect at some point they are going to get some live tackling before week one. And just- Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers, Serious Injuries. Call one at Elk, Ohio for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Real and, quickly. And just to reiterate to everybody that Deshaun Watson is working with the starting offense as he has done the entirety of yep. this offseason and camp. So no change there. He did have a nice tight end screen to David Ajoko. And we've seen that a couple times in this camp already. Some tight end screens get him in space because he is so quick and electric with the ball in his hands. And he had a nice gain in that red zone on that tight end screen. That's been one of the things I've been most impressed watching Deshaun Watson is his ability to use touch on the short passes to receivers, to tight ends. I was talking with David Njoku this morning, and that's what he said really stood out as soon as Deshaun got here was just his ability to hit the right touch when it's necessary. Not every ball has to be a laser beam. Sometimes high is a good placement. Sometimes high with a little bit of loft is how guys want it. And so getting on the same page for Watson is, is huge. And Brissett, whoever those quarterbacks are going to be with, hey, it's David Njoku in the back of the end zone. He wants it to be a laser beam, and he wants it high. Different guys, they might have different preferences, but that's all some of the important things that they're going to work on during training camp. And we'll have so much more to explain coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Demand is now free in the palm of your hands. During the entire month of August, ESPN Cleveland, the Bath Authority, giving fans free access to the land on demand. For all the news you don't want to miss, see us live in our brand-new studios. Replay all your favorite shows commercial-free and on demand and get an all-access look at Tony Grossi's Browns analysis and more. Visit thelandondemand.com and download your app today. The Land on Demand, remodeled by the Bath Authority. And it looks like we've got some weather coming in, gentlemen. Inclement weather appears to be imminent. Uh, the temp has the good thing about the inclement weather coming is the temp has dropped about ten degrees. The gnats, however, are they seeking have, shelter. Up a notch. They are seeking shelter near us. I had one in my ear. Didn't no thank you. I'll pass on that. Pass. Be gone. Hoff impervious to gnats. Yeah. Well I mean he's, Don't bother me. He's been swarmed <laughs> by ticks and telling them a story of being in Canada when I was in college with a buddy on a canoe camping trip and the ticks were so bad they were actually somehow crawling through these small like cracks in the zipper on our tent and there were so many the the volume was so great God. that they would wake you up in the middle of the night crawling all over your body oh, my skin is crawling. so much so many ticks there was nothing you could do about it all you could do is just roll over and accept it where in canada huh this was like ontario the the quetico provincial okay. park like right across from the boundary waters if you're familiar with that neck of the woods but it was like the beginning of June when they all first oh, hatch. If you lived any part of your life in the Midwest or anywhere that has bugs, like that first window of two weeks when they all hatch is yeah. easily the worst part. Yeah. 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 Not we great. hit it poorly. It's Bad terrible. Timing. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. It's terrible. A little Nick Chubb run for you. Bo always gets excited. I just love it. Nick Look Chubb at that. Out there. 
Look at the way he accelerates yes. between 30 and 40 yards down the field. It's unbelievable. It's just so fun to watch. And I just love the way that he finishes every single rep that yeah. he gets in practice. And this guy's one of the preeminent players in the league. And I think it's so important when you've got your guys who are the stars when they are the ones who are also putting in that extra work and making sure to maximize every opportunity they get. And you hope that other people on the team you know, pay attention to that so that they are able to get the best benefit as well. So lucky to have that gentleman. So, so lucky to have that gentleman. So we we yeah. got the ones on the ones here, and they're coming out of their own end zone, probably around their 20-yard line, it would appear. Uh, going, hopefully we'll get a little play right in front of us here. A little Sean Watson drops back the pass. Throws across the middle, Demetric Felton. Caught it. Miles Garrett in the coverage there trying to rip the ball out. We've seen that go. a few times. Miles kind of floating his way away from the quarterback. And so much more to come. So much. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Nats. Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Yeah, we're good. Training camp underway. Cleveland Browns 50-50 raffle is now open. Go to the Browns mobile app. Browns5050.com to purchase your tickets. The raffle ends Sunday, August 21st. Don't miss your chance to win big while supporting the Stay in the Game Network. Shoes and clothes for kids. What will we? Uh, what, will we what will the next few days be like, Dr. Z? You got practice tomorrow and Sunday. Those are public open practices. Public open we'll, practices. We'll Day off on Monday. We'll get a, uh, some work in on Tuesday, and then Wednesday we head down to Jacksonville. So my guess is probably no pads, I would guess, no pads tomorrow, and then maybe one more pa day of pads on Sunday if that's possible, or do you do one kind of per session? Yeah, it seems like Stefanski's rhythm has kind of been every other, and I think they're going to look at that Jacksonville game not so much as a game where they need to take the pads off you know, three days before, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had a padded practice before they flew down there and then had, you know, two walkthrough type practices once you get down there Wednesday and Thursday. I'm sad, by the way. I just say I'm sad right now. It's all sad. Don't be sad. Be no, happy. We thank Optimistic. you for enriching our oh, lives. Yes. I will see you guys oh, on uh, Thursday. Well, maybe not our lives. the great Bo Bishop, but uh, you guys will be the big Z in, for down sure. Down in the Ville? Yeah, we'll you guys going to play, play somewhere down there? We got, I'm going to, it's going to be busy, man. We got Browns. You're going down on Wednesday. Yeah, but we, not uh, you got a day Wednesday, baby. No, we don't not have a day Wednesday. I don't, I don't know we land until after 8. Morning Thursday? Maybe on the Thursday. You I don't get into Thursday afternoon. Oh, but sad. That's too bad. I will be eating, though. Thwarted. Yeah. yeah. Thwarted. We'll have to do some. We'll do some eating. Yeah. We'll break some I, bread. I like the idea of you on a, on a 9 a.m. tea time. Same. Maybe an 8.30 tea time Thursday. Somewhere down there. Listen, there's only one place to play down there. We no, all know there that. Are, there are, I'm with you. I played that place. Eh. Same. But there's, there are others. 16, 17, 18 are spectacular. The rest yeah. of it. Eh. Off, a true pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Thanks for inviting me in, into the family. We're better for it. Very right. special. Yeah, right. The, the next level is coming up next. Family. We're all just black sheep. That's right. That's true. <laughs> or brown Have spotted. a great weekend, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, brown 850. <laughs> ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.